a new look at the Federal Reserve's balance sheet, and the Electoral College comes under scrutiny. This is Paul Dietzel. One event takes place every Thursday afternoon around 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time that few people ever notice. Every Thursday afternoon, the Federal Reserve quietly releases its balance sheet. The balance sheet is a look under the hood of a business, in this case, the Federal Reserve. The balance sheet reveals all. It gives a statement of a business's assets, liabilities, and shareholders' equity at a specific point in time. It offers a snapshot of what the business owns and what it owes, as well as the amount invested by its owners. As of this week, the Federal Reserve's balance sheet stands at $7.1 trillion, the highest in the history of the United States. The Fed makes it possible for money to be backed up by the government in ways that doesn't allow for banks and other financial institutions to over-regulate the interest rates to the point that people like you and me can't afford to finance homes, automobiles, or other purchases. Interest rates are tied to money the same way money is tied to an employee. In the circle of finance, the Fed makes sure the American economy is both stable and ensures maximum employment. The entire monetary policy of the United States is controlled by the Federal Reserve. The traditional tool the Fed uses to accomplish these goals is the adjustment of the short-term interest rate that determines how much it costs for banks to lend to each other. Current interest rates throughout 2020 have hovered at levels less than zero, meaning the amount of money it costs for banks to receive money and then turn around and lend money is almost free. During the 2008 Great Recession, the Fed lowered interest rates to zero, and it wasn't enough to save the economy from going into a free fall. Then the Fed got creative. They began what is commonly known as large-scale asset purchases. You might have heard the more common name for this practice, quantitative easing. Using this process, the Fed enters the market to buy securities, typically mortgage-backed securities and treasuries. By so doing, they inject money and liquidity or cash flow directly into the market. This is one of the reasons why the stock market hasn't tanked during the COVID crisis. This practice is not without danger. For the first time in American history, the Federal Reserve is a regulator, a supervisor, and now a direct participant in the economy. Quantitative easing as the tool of first choice for the Fed in a time of crisis has led to a renewed focus on its balance sheet. A $7 trillion balance sheet makes the Fed the largest financial institution in the nation, more than the four largest banks combined. What this tells us is the government itself is now so deeply involved in the economy that should even a modest downturn take place, the economy could crash. It might be time to look again at the monetary policy of the United States. For not since the passage of the Federal Reserve Act of 1913 has there been a better time to consider the structural design of the Federal Reserve System. Let's hope the new Congress does just that. This week, the nation has passed through a presidential election, and it seems the Electoral College is once again coming under scrutiny. Politicians like Pete Buttigieg are suggesting the Electoral College be abolished. Initially, it might sound like a good idea. One person, one vote. The majority should win, correct? Well, that depends on your perspective. The founders of the U.S. government had to balance the influence of states that had different populations in a way that some semblance of equality could be maintained. In other words, if all it took to win an election was a simple majority the candidates could focus on the major cities and population centers to the detriment of small, more rural areas. Small states like Mississippi would matter far less than the large states like Pennsylvania without a mechanism whereby candidates would be forced to listen to minority opinions in order to become president of the United States. 
It's a system that served us well for almost 250 years. It is what distinguishes our president from the president of France. Without the Electoral College, the American president and the American government would become the exact opposite of what Thomas Jefferson, James Madison, and George Washington desired. A republic of states where every voice could be heard within a system that forced candidates for president to listen to everyone across the nation, not just those who might easily benefit their candidacy. Until the next presidential election, here's to keeping the Electoral College strong. This is Paul Dietzel. Thanks for listening.